Hi folks, how are you? Slightly sluggish today, if I'm going to be honest. I'm recording this on Boxing Day, the 26th of December, and I'm recovering from very close to eating my body weight in cheese yesterday. Friends of mine uh, gave us this lovely little hamper of local produce to them, which included the most delicious jar of pickled onions. Pickled onions and cheese. There's no greater thing in life when it comes to eating. Um, Anyway, don't get me started. This is not a podcast about food. This is a podcast about film and music. And just before we start with this uh, last episode of the year, I just wanted to share my huge thanks and gratitude to every single one of you. Huge thanks to you for listening because I know, and I say this quite a lot, that there is a lot of choice out there when it comes to podcasts. It is a very busy world. And so to think that you make the choice to listen to our little podcast over and above and alongside other things, we're really grateful for. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, if you spread the word about the podcast, because we really do rely on you spreading the word, to be honest, because we are a very small outfit. It's just Ben and myself. And, you know, we don't have a big broadcaster or sponsor to kind of throw us out there. So we kind of really rely on you kind of uh, talking about us and sharing your enjoyment of the podcast. So if you've done that, we really appreciate it. And thank you so much. A massive thank you to all of our guests that have appeared on the podcast this year. We've had a lot. Um, It's been amazing. And we're very grateful for your time and your enthusiasm and your, your stories, just great stories. And the reason that we get that is because we are lucky that the film companies and the, the reps and the publicists and the managers, they trust in us or they, they give us a chance. So we don't take that lightly and we, we can't, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this without you. So we appreciate every one of you who has helped us facilitate a guest this year. And also the music as well, because we are very lucky that we have built up a relationship with quite a lot of people over the years. One that springs to mind is Daniel Pemberton, for example, who there were some cues of his that he worked on this year that weren't available commercially. So, you know, he sent us them. So things like that, it just brings the podcast to life as we get to sort of sprinkle excerpts around it as we promote your amazing work. So there we go. And there's one last thanks to do, and that's to Ben, who just is the most wonderful co-pilot in this brilliant world of soundtrack. And I love, I love making this show. I can't believe that we've been doing it now for six years. It's kind of bonkers to think that we launched this thinking, get a few shows away and we are nearly 350 shows in. Ben, I can't thank you enough for all your work and your enthusiasm, your encouragement and your dedication and support of this. So thank you so much, my lovely friend. And long may it continue. Now then, Christmas is not quite over uh, and we wanted to get things kind of, you know, as cool as we could get to possibly end the year on soundtracking and go out with a bang. And we are doing that by welcoming Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross to soundtracking for a second time. It will become apparent if you haven't heard their previous episode that I love talking to these two about film. The good news is we've got two of their scores to unpack. The first being for Luca Guadagnino's brilliant Bones and All, and the second for Sam Mendes' new film, Empire of Light. Now, it's not out until January, but the trailer and things is out, and I just thought it'd be a lovely way to enthuse about the film and encourage you guys to go and see it when it hits cinemas next month. So we're going to begin with a cue from Bones and All. This is I'm With You, A Way Out. Mm-hmm. 
Trent Atticus, it's so great to have you back and thank you so much for your time. How are you both? We're good. We're a little tired. We were just kind of uh, recapping that it's going to be nice <laughs> to, uh, uh, over the holidays, have a minute to catch our breath. It's been a bit intense, several nonstop months of work stacked up. I guess that's a good place to start, to be honest, because I'd really love to talk about Empire of Light, but also Bones and all. I did about three or four Q&As with Luca and just had the most wonderful time with him. His um, his enthusiasm and his kind of passion for what he does is so infectious. He's great. Um, oh, he's extraordinary. And he's, his face lights up as soon as he mentions you guys as well and getting the chance to to work with you on, on that. But when, when these projects kind of present themselves to you in whatever way, shape or form that is, what is it that's making you say yes? What is it that is is even starts the conversation with between the two of you about shall we do this is this something we want to work on we we've had some heart-to-heart conversations Atticus and myself over the last several years about why what we're looking for working in film and the conclusion we've come to is that we're we're just interested in working with interesting people to see what we can hopefully through osmosis extract out of that equation you know because it, it is like, you know, going into battle for an intense relationship for six months to 18 months or more. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of this project, it was Luca. We didn't know him personally, but we found th- there had to be something in this guy, you know, with the, with the work he's done that we j- just clicked with us and resonated with mm-hmm. us. And like you, when we engaged him, we, we were kind of immediately seduced by this just authentic really genuine enthusiastic and empowering Hmm. persona you know he created a great environment and place for us to work and um you know just a, a great experience because you're sort of the first he's followed a certain path previous to to this film with how he's worked with music I mean beautifully I think Call Me By Your Name is one of my favorite ever kind of collections of pieces of music you know existing pieces of music from from a film and then those pieces that Sufton Stevens created and stuff as well it's just you know it's you kind of look at it on paper and you're going this is a really kind of bonkers mix of music but you put it all together and you put it with those characters and that story and it's just can't imagine it being anything else with the with the script for this and also just you know it's interesting because I think on surface value people take are, are kind of slightly terrified of this film or they kind of go in with an expectation of what it is and it is it's it's an incredibly rewarding experience watching this film on so many levels I think at least alone Mark Rylance's performance in as well which I just think is extraordinary <laughs> he's such a great character 
what were the conversations that you to start with that you had in terms of did he did he know what he was looking for or did you kind of just clearly know what you wanted to create for that story for that atmosphere for those themes for that narrative I mean one of the great things about Luca is he's not prescriptive his sort of position is I'm an artist you're an artist and I want you to be the best artist that you can be and I want to provide an art environment where you can you know where you're safe and you can be that person I think in terms of this film he did and you know we're doing another one with him where he does have an idea in this it was simply this film in my view is a tragic romance it's about outsiders it's about loneliness it's about the impossibility of love and it's also about america you know it's his first film that he shot here and there's that kind of road movie aspect and a kind of you know me being from europe you know i think europeans have this kind of notion of you know the american road film as a romantic mm. thing which he which he truly captured and it does feel like he he said he wanted it to feel like it was shot in the 80s and it does have that kind of sense about it in terms of instrumentation the only thing he said to us was he i think possibly an acoustic guitar could anchor this story a beautiful melody on an on acoustic mm-hmm. guitar could capture the tragic love story aspect script and the script was great but the real revelation was Luca sent us a three and a half hour cut literally about oh wow it felt like two and a half days after they finished shooting I mean super fast <sighs> oh I want to see that and it was <laughs> and what's great about the way Luca works is that there's no music in it beyond the source mm. cues so which in itself is good because I just feel like sometimes temp can poison the well. But mm. you know, he's not, he's not even thinking about that. He's thinking about his film. We get it, put it on on the screen behind me, and you know, we were just transfixed. I mean, it was incredible. It worked as a. I think it might have even been longer. It almost felt like this doesn't need any music. Mm. You know, it's so good. I love the idea of you guys having like film night in the studio, like of of the new film arriving and someone cracks open the popcorn and you sit there for however long the cut is. That kind of is what happened. That's brilliant. It's, it's not always a relaxing, enjoyable <laughs> What did um, we sign on for? <laughs> oh, five minutes in going, how long is this on for? <laughs>
you know, once you have kind of sat and watched that, do you just kind of sit and go and talk to each other then about what you've felt? What follows that experience of watching that that film then? Yeah, yeah. On, on this one, well, say with any project, you know, what we particularly with someone we don't know yet. You know, with Luca, we just met him, and we're we're trying to feel out where his head's at and how he how articulate he is in terms of asking for what he wants and what we found you know we we know how important music is and how it can embellish or ruin a film you know mm. so the first thing we always do is just try to listen and understand what role do you think music plays in this how prominent is it how much of a character should you notice it should mm-hmm. you notice it is there lots of runway where it's going to carry a scene perhaps or you know and what what usually directors know maybe they haven't articulated it to you but they they know what they want they have got a good sense of it so as Atticus mentioned the what what Luca explained before we'd seen anything before he'd shot it as the role of music he explained Mm. I'm going to shoot this um in an understated way I'm going to shoot on film I'm shooting on location I don't want the music to overpower the film I think you know, you emphasize I'm making a tragic love story and, and really kind of underplayed or downplayed any horror aspects to it. Having read the script, you know, our first question was kind of, I wonder what's attracted Luca to the script. Not that there's anything wrong with the script, but it wouldn't be the kind of thing I'd read and think, oh, that that's, that sounds like what we'd imagine Luca would do. Having said he just did Suspiria, but <laughs> when we saw the film in its rough and unedited, well, roughly edited state, and we were able to see how beautifully he'd captured a part of the country I grew up in, in an era I grew up in. Oh, wow. And saying it's the first time I've shot in America and all those interiors, I've I've been in those rooms. (laughs) That was the America I I grew up in. And it felt felt very accurate and real. And to see the beauty in which Taylor and Timothy made these roles kind of jump off the page and and the the fragility, Mm. you know, the the sadness the loneliness the vulnerability hmm. that i think was so much better than we had you know when you read a script you fill and read a book you, you're kind of dressing the set in your mind and this exceeded anything we had come up with and brought a new dimension to the story and lucified it in a way you know that <laughs> this is why he was attracted to the story and it really framed him as a genius to us to see this is the magic of a vision from 
all, all those smart and tasteful decisions, you know, from again, set design and, and everything. Yeah. So we sat around kind of with our jaws open, <laughs> like, wow, you know, it, it really was a moment. It's hard to describe it without having been there, but it, it, it mm. was a true. Um, we, we were blown away, you know, and, it, and it's yeah. always impressive and it's inspiring to be around, you know, when something just kind of, just blows you away, you know, in, in a world where everything's kind of meh to be to mm. experience firsthand and witness what, what we did, and not to overstate or to be pretentious about it, but it really was inspiring. And we thought this this is exactly the scenario we hope to find ourselves in to be working with someone that um, makes you feel excited about life and art. And, and, and while well, we were invited to be part of this, you know, fuck yeah. And who seems so generous as well from, from all accounts of people. And from the way that he talks about everyone's opinion is important. You know, kind of really lovely hearing Timothy talk as well about how supportive Luca was for him coming on board as a producer as well for the first time, which he was terrified about, but almost having his kind of guidance on that side of things. But how important it was for him to feel like he could kind of feed that side of it. And I just think it's really incredible to hear, you know, of someone who 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 has, like you say, such a strong vision and such a great storyteller, but is so generous with it as well. well that's cool to hear because that, that was our experience. You know, someone who definitely has an opinion and uh, point of view, but wants to hear, you know, you were brought, you get the impression you were brought in for a reason, you know? Yeah. And your opinion is appreciated and considered and it's a collaboration. many conversations with him you know where it felt like we were being invited into the filmmaking process you know like do, does this scene work you know those it, it just it, it not to overstate it was cool it. it was cool yeah <laughs> I, was, I was just smiling because I, the thing that you mentioned at the beginning about him not working with uh you know, this being the first time, and so I'd read something he'd said about he'd, he'd been very nervous about working with professional composers, right? That's you guys. Well, we're not. <laughs> That's the whole point. We're not professional. We, we, you know, the truth of it is we don't, we've never been to film school. We've never done a thing in how films are meant to yeah. be. And most of the scores are done in this room. You know, just just by kind of gut instinct, instinct. Yeah, you know, it feels like you know would be the right way to communicate the right emotion at the at the end of the day. And I think, yeah. I think maybe anyway, it doesn't matter. We're not we're 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 professional in our own way, but we're not professional. 
feel <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of people, I've got to say, including Sam Mendes as well. I mean, those are two very different films that you've you've added your your you know your your incredible storytelling to because you know what you do is storytelling. It's part of the story. It's an important part of the story. God, this this film floored me. I mean, we all knew that Olivia Coleman could, you know, she's she could do it. She, we've seen her do well. We think we've seen her do everything, and then you see her in this and go, "Gosh, she got me again!" And all these characters, I love the projectionist in it as well. And all these characters feel like they have, they have such an important place in the story, even if they are tiny characters. Their presence is so important to every part of the story. I feel, and I guess that's down to Sam's writing and the way that he kind of you feel like you know the backstory or you feel like you know this person. What was the appeal for this project for Empire of Light for you? Well, I mean, similarly to, I mean, the reality is. We have a secret list of people that <laughs> are really good. Yeah. And was on that list and Sam was on that list. And so for both of them to reach out is clearly incredibly flattering. Oh, yes. But the process with Sam started way before he picked up a camera. I want to say six months before. And he had written it and he was revising and it felt like his process is very much to have us be involved when he's conceiving what this film is going to be, what it's going to look like, how it's going Mm -hmm. to be shot. And it kind of turned into a thing where we would have probably twice a month, we would have an hour or more, Mm-hmm. where we would just be talking and he would be telling us, you know, a lot of this film is based on some incredibly personal experiences yeah. that I don't feel at liberty to reveal. Yeah, but- he's spoken quite a bit about that when we did the, um, I was lucky enough to do the London Film Festival premiere and he's incredibly, he's incredibly open and honest about about it, which is which is very brave of him, I think, as well, but it kind of makes the film even more powerful, I think. Well, I think growing up, in a family which, you know, where there is mental illness and you yeah. know, some of the scenes are incredibly close to things he's experienced. It just felt like we're being led in to a, there's not a filter there. He's just letting us in to where he's at. And it felt like, a, I don't know what else to say, it felt like a real invitation mm-hmm. into the process again. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, this is in the backdrop of COVID. So... I, I would imagine his normal process would be, well, let's get together and become familiar with each other as people and get to know each other because we're going to make something intimate together that yeah. requires getting over the hurdle of rejection and all, all those things, you know? And also, as Atticus was mentioning, because he was writing the script, it felt like he had a, uh, you know, there was a, the stakes were higher, you know? Yeah. It, felt very precious we can't compare it what it was like the last film he did in terms of the process of working on it but it became clear this means a lot to him and he wanted to include us and make us feel part of the recipe it's nice to feel that way you know Mm -hmm. it it leads to it is an intimate process of trying to create magic you know that's going to affect an audience knowing the people you're doing with it and, and that collaborative engagement, you know, is, is really what's why we're doing this. 
because I love as well that one of the sort of threads of the film is, is really a love letter to cinema, you know, and kind of the, the escapism of cinema and what that can do. And there's a really funny moment. I mean, I've, I've, I've only been lucky enough to see the film once. I can't wait to see it again because I know it, I'm going to sort of, there's kind of layers to it that are going to, and I'm going to find things in it the more I see it. But that moment where um, uh, Olivia's character, Hillary's been on stage uh, at the big uh, premiere at the cinema and they come out and there's a bit of kind of, you know, there's an argument going on in the foyer and then you just hear the Chariots of Fire theme tune yeah. in the background. <laughs> <Thank you. Yeah. laughs> I was cracking up when I, I was just so, it's such a comedy moment through this one little tiny thread of music and it's so, so, so brilliant. And so that kind of, I don't know, just all those kind of little things and the way that you, you've you got it, because the tone of it as well, it's, is that something that's you've really got to consider when you're with instrumentation, with how much music is in there as well? Because this is a really kind of a delicate dance on, on tone of this film as well. You know, there are very funny moments, but there are jaw-dropping, aching moments of heartbreak as well. Yeah, it was interesting doing this right next to doing with Luca, working with Luca. Yeah. And also we've been working with David Fincher on the killers. So they all stacked up wow. three different, radically different films from radically different personalities, mm-hmm. radically different styles of working, all of which are excellent, all of which are very different. So it made it, it was good for us because it didn't feel like we made a mistake scheduling of not being able to say no, but it all worked out. It looked like, hey, we can do this, and then we have time off, and we do this, then we do that, and all of them landed, and and, and, a, and a tour, <laughs> at overlapping each other. Not not a, not entirely overlap, but enough that it became there wasn't any minutes for relaxation or catching one's breath. But with that agenda, it was whiplash a little bit. And but exciting to go from one to the next to the next because they're mm. very, very different, like I said, films and styles of working. With Sam, what's incredibly impressive with him, aside from his obvious intellect, is he knows exactly what how a scene should play. Mm-hmm. And as composers, then it became more meticulous to get that just right, you know, and there couldn't be one drop of nostalgia or sentimentalism or whatever it might be whatever the recipe is it felt like a more precise thing to execute process typically well always is spend a lot of time very 
cerebrally thinking about mm-hmm. what instruments we might use, what the score might sound like, what what based on as as much information as we can extract from the director, logical choices of of our style of composition, uh, any techniques we're going to deploy, think all that stuff up, choose the right instrumentation or people to work with, then try to turn all that off and not think about it and try to get lost in the story. That's the strength we bring to the table is not incredible technique or whatever the fuck else it might be. (laughs) It's about, can we get lost in it? Can we find in, in mind from our own emotional well and experience? Can we tune into wherever good ideas come from and bring the passion and the emotional resonance and goosebumps to the thing that needs to happen? I think on, well, I don't think, I know on Empire of Light, you know, the first bit of that was kind of figuring out what it was going to sound like. You know, we we knew right off the bat, it's not going to be an avant-garde, confrontational kind of score or a showy, listen to me, listen to how eccentric it is. It needed to tinge on nostalgia. It needed to feel, when you see that opening shot of the interior of that cinema, that (laughs) you've been there. You know, it, yeah. it's not a foreign landscape. It needs to resonate in some way that makes you feel a comfort and a sense of at e- of being at ease. And I think we kind of organically landed on it, mostly being piano driven, not from any kind of executive decision, but that was just, it just revealed itself mm. as we started composing. Those were the things that Sam responded to.
then the last bit of my little tirade here is where I think this got tricky was once we had the bones of the right composition for various pieces, the fitting it in exactly, the refinement was much more intense on this film than others we've worked on. And it was much more precise. And again, there, there was no shortage of feedback from Sam. And it's impressive to see what I would lack as a skill as a director is the ability to be objective of watching the same 15 second piece of film. Yeah. And be over able and to over. understand the different pacings and nuance, everything from dialogue to the panning and to the shot to the whatever the fuck, to take it up a notch and to watch Sam refine these things into feeling, even at times when we disagreed on some stuff, you know, but then you sit back and know it is better. Yeah. It was a lot of work on this film to, to get it right. And we're super proud of how it turned out, but it, it was you know, it was, it was intense getting to work on this, difficult. It's an intimate score, and I think it, like you mentioned, it really sits on a kind of precipice, because if it tips too far one way or the yeah. other, it's not going to work. But essentially, there's that opening cue, but from there on, it's really Hillary's journey that the music is speaking to. And obviously that carried a lot of weight for obvious reasons that we discussed earlier on and like Trent said you know it there was there was a responsibility and there was an intensity you know a responsibility in the in in the job like there always is but it felt maybe more weighty because of the way the subject matter interacted with the director's life and I think um I can't remember what I was going to say next so. <laughs> There's, there's one bit where you almost kind of step away from 
Hillary for a moment, which is when Toby Jones's character Norman, where we get we're in the projection room with him, yeah. and I love that. I love that whole. It's almost like a little short film within the film, almost in a way of this yeah. kind of. We kind of really get to know this character over a couple of minutes, really, and that almost could be set any time, really, as well. I love the fact that you know if you came into that film at that point, it could be set in the fifties or it could be set. You know I mean, it's got this kind of timeless quality to it as well. And I love the kind of music around that and that sound of the projector and the sound of that room and that kind of the noise of a projection room has just got this. I don't know. It's yeah, it's, beautiful. it's very beautiful it's as well. That that particular, you know, that particular scene. But mm. yeah, I agree with you. And mm. there are there are obviously a handful of times where we step away from Hillary's journey. But essentially, that was a kind of North Star, as it were. That yeah. Went coming off. I'd quite like him to do two spin-off films. I'd like a Norman film and I'd also like uh, um, a Neil film as well. I thought Tom Brook as Neil was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Quite happily watch spin-off films with those two, even if they're just shorts. But yeah, great characters. Have you told him that? I will do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that you have a list. I'm not going to ask who's on it because clearly you won't tell me, but I love that you have a kind of like, you know, a sort of, who you want to work with bucket list thing that's uh, that's really really sweet i love that it's brilliant we got another list too people you don't <laughs> want to work with yeah we've all got one of them <laughs> how did you manage though because i was i was gutted because i was supposed to come to the show in london and i got bloody covid so i couldn't come to the show on the tour Should've and um yeah, yeah, I mean, most people probably had it anyway. Else <laughs> <laughs> uh, how how did you manage that? You know, you said you had these kind of three films that you know on paper it was all going to work out perfectly time wise, but then as things happen, everything sort of falls literally in the one you know at the one time whilst you're also on a tour. It uh, you know, as I've learned over the years, things take as long as they have time to take. 
and having a schedule that becomes finite, you know, realizing Mm. this needs to get done in this amount of time. And and these are not unrealistic amounts of time. So it was never at the expense of cutting corners, but knowing that you, I I find it a great motivator, you know, to know this needs to get done. Mm. Okay. Maybe I can spend maybe I, I should shouldn't go for a walk and I should go there and yeah, I'm thinking about it you know we both are mm-hmm. and it, it really required a discipline that the end result as we've neared the finish line we're, we're finishing another Luca film right now that we took on in the midst yes. of all that um yes. <laughs> but it feels a little bit different anyway we yeah. we both felt okay now we're kind of broken physically and, and <laughs> mentally you know like it really the you know when you finish a big job and then you get sick like that your cold mm. waiting to pounce We've yeah been in that phase for about two months now <laughs> oh bless i mean nothing nothing got shortchanged but it has been an incredibly intense year this is yeah this has been the most intense year for sure and we're learning we're learning I, I, you know yeah I, i'm very proud and working to speak for us both we're both very proud of all the work one thing that's consistent that we are incredibly incredibly inefficient in terms of uh we work all the time and lots and lots of that work uh goes into finding out that's not the right way to do it <laughs> you know like we 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 that's life we work harder than we think we need to we certainly work inefficiently you know in terms of uh did we need to start scoring that film a year before you know probably <laughs> not but you know, we're slowly starting to figure it out. We're we're not a very well-oiled uh, production machine because we like to well-oiled creatively. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, doing working on a Fincher film, Luca film, and Sam Mendes film, and a tour. That's pretty. That's pretty good going. I would, don't don't you know? Don't give yourself such a hard time. It's pretty good. <laughs> when is um? When are we going to get to see the killer? Do we know? I, I'm not sure. I never know about mm. things. Like... <laughs> I know when the music needed to be finished and I know that we're going up to Skywalker to (sighs) um, listen to some mixes, listen to some mixes. Yeah. One day, one day I'll get to go to Skywalker Ranch and ride a bike around. It is as cool as you probably imagine it is. Yeah. I'll be the embarrassing one who comes dressed as a Star Wars character though. (laughs) 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 Which one? Who knows? I'm mean, so excited that you're you see you're working with Luca again, which is so great. Uh, you know, and, and it's you clearly like what you've done together on on Bones and All is amazing, and 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 also the score for Empire Light. It really is brilliant, and I can't thank you enough for your patience tonight as well with me, um, and and your time. It really is a treat to get to chat to you, and I hope we get to do it again for Always the Killer, yeah. whenever that may be. Look forward to it. Great seeing you.
From the Score to Empire of Light, that's out and about again, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Now, listen, just before um, we move on and I tell you some other things, um, there is a film that is coming out on the 27th of January. That film is The Fablemans. It is Steven Spielberg's latest film that basically tells us the story of his childhood. Do you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you any more about it apart from it's fabulous. Now, we've been very lucky that we've been given a pair of tickets to a preview screening that is happening um, early January and we're going to give those away. Now, what I'm going to do is on our next episode, which is with the wonderful Ryan Johnson, writer and director of many things, including Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, I'm going to launch the question in that episode. And then all you need to do is send me an email to info at edithbowman.com and then we'll announce who the winner is on socials. So I'll lead up to this and kind of remind you all on social media. But on next week's episode, I will reveal a question that needs answered for you to be in with a chance of winning a pair of tickets to an exclusive preview screening, which may well be attended by some special guests uh, that you can go to. So make sure you stay tuned for that. My huge thanks to Trent and Atticus for taking the time to talk to us. Empire of Light is out in UK cinemas 9th of January, whilst Bones and All is still available to watch on a few big screens as well. Uh, And you can also get that on Home Ends to download as well. So do go and seek it out. Get along to that if you haven't already, either at the big screen or at home on your telly box. And make sure you get some tickets booked for Empire of Light when it hits cinemas on the 9th of January. If you want to hear my previous chat with Trent and Atticus, you can head to edithbowman.com where you can also find my conversations with Sam Mendes and Luca Guadagnino. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. As I said, I'll put up details and remind you of how to uh, get involved in that competition. And please do subscribe to our YouTube channel too. Um, I'll make sure I stick Trent and Atticus's conversation up there in the next couple of days. Next up, as I mentioned, we are thrilled to welcome back the wonderful Ryan Johnson to talk about many things, but in particular, the brilliant Glass Onions and Knives Out Mystery. Ryan Johnson, our next guest on Soundtracking. And this is going to be the last episode of the year, this one right now. So I think I should probably say Happy New Year when it comes. And I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company in 2023.